We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we have another 49ers victory to talk about. They're third in a row. They are the number six seed in the NFC playoff picture. And what a turnaround from three weeks ago. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Chris, after week nine, the Niners were three and five. And we were discussing what to make of this season. The, you know, it wasn't over, but it sure looked like it was. They lost to Colt McCoy and the Cardinals and just didn't look particularly interested in playing. And now they've won three in a row, including beating the Vikings 34 26. And we'll get into some of the game and whatnot, but it's unbelievable this year in the NFL how quickly things are turning around because how every team just kind of seems to be all mushed together in this space between like seven and four and five and six. Yeah, the the NFC just isn't that strong top to bottom. And, and that's really starting to come out to the forefront right now because you have the 49ers they're the worst team that's over 500 right now. And they're in the six seed. So you still have like four teams within a game of the seven seed. And all those teams are below 500 right now. So it's just um, it, the, the NFC isn't that strong, but the 49ers are cert- like, they're making a push, right? They're, they're, they're making a surge. They won a, a really important game, a game that I thought they pretty much had to win in order to make the playoffs. And, and they, they probably could have done it more decisively than it was. I think they played better than, than what the eight point um, differential ended up being because like, if they don't give up that kickoff return touchdown and Robbie gold makes that field goal, that's a 10 point swing there um, in favor of the Vikings and the Niners still won by eight. Um, So it was a pretty impressive win given that obviously those things are issues, um, but you, you would assume that they, that they are correctable. And then, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play all that well in the first half. He got going as the second half going got going. Um, you know that 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 run from the end of the th- uh, second quarter to midway through the third, where they just rail off three straight touchdowns, uh, in part because they got that Kirk Cousin turnover. And I, I went on your radio show at some point last week, and um, they asked me what the key would be, and I didn't really have a good answer aside from winning the turnover battle. And the Vikings yeah. were the best team in the NFL at not giving the ball away. Um, and so it was going to be a challenge for the 49ers to win the turnover battle. And it turns out that they do. Uh, they win it two to one um, and they get 10 points off turnovers. Uh, Minnesota got a touchdown off theirs when Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception in the first quarter. Um, but ultimately, 
the story when the 49ers were three and five, aside from just not playing well, and George Kittle alluded to it after the game, was like the Niners were turning the ball over at one of the worst rates in the league. Um, they were not winning the turnover battle. They were 0-4 in games in which Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception. And then they stopped turning the ball over in this three-game winning streak, and they started winning the turnover battle. Uh, and they're winning these games now. And so that's ultimately the, the most important thing because I think we knew the Niners were talented enough to get to the playoffs. That was why it was so sort of alarming the fact that they did go three and five and lose to Cole McCoy, because you look around, it's like, this is a talented roster. Um, and now you're starting to see the fruits of that roster and this team come together a little bit to the point where they're, they're in this, they're the sixth seed. Um, you are worried about the, the injuries to Fred Warner and Debo Samuel, of course, but that performance on Sunday was a, a very good indicator for the 49ers in terms of where they stand in this, in this race because they did it in a different way that, you know, than the last two weeks, it wasn't just that blowout getting ahead early um, and just running away with it. Like they did against the Rams and Jaguars. They, mm -hmm. they took a couple punches from the Vikings um, and, you know, they were clearly the better team. And I think that's the type of outcome that they needed in order to, you know, move, keep moving further away from that bad start and, and start to tally up wins. And I think the important thing, for for me coming out of this game was I didn't think that they were going to be able to keep up in a in a shootout, which is kind of what this game became. It was a 34-26 final. But I would have thought that in the in that scenario with that final score, you would have seen Jimmy Garoppolo throwing it 40 times. And you would have needed this really big game from the quarterback. And he was fine. But, you know, save for the, the really bad interception early in the game, but um, they mostly continued doing what they've been doing the last two weeks. They dominated on the ground more so than they did against against Jacksonville or or the Rams. It was the best times. game of the year. Numbers yeah, was. 39 runs for 208 yards. Um, they They just mauled. Minnesota and they attacked Minnesota's weakness relentlessly, which is their run defense. And the fact that they were able to do that in a game where everybody knew what they were going to do, like that was kind of reminiscent a little bit of the 2019 49ers. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that this team is going to go to the Super Bowl, but the fact that they got this identity back and they were able to stick to that game plan and stick to that identity in a game where they weren't holding the opposition to 10 points, I think is a, is a pretty significant deal because it, this is the kind of football that travels. This is the kind of football that plays better as the weather gets colder. This is the kind of football that you can go into Green Bay in a playoff game and punch the Packers in the mouth if you're going to out-physical them, which is what the 49ers have done the last three weeks. Right. Yeah, and it was also just a pretty balanced performance in terms of the way you look at you know, who was contributing on offense, right. right? Like you had a pretty nice game from all of your skill guys, you know, with the exception of George Kittle, who was targeted just twice and, and only had one catch for, for, you know, that was a slip screen. Yep. Um, but like, otherwise Debo Samuel obviously had a really nice game. Um, Elijah Mitchell is just super impressive, man. Like Elijah Mitchell oh, yeah. is physical as hell. He runs super hard. He's not the biggest dude in the world and he takes a beating, but he is always falling forward mm -hmm. and he's got, I mean, he's getting you so much hidden yardage just overall by falling forward and getting an extra two, three, four yards seemingly on every run. Um, he's a perfect fit for the scheme, obviously. I mean, 133 yards. It was his it, his fourth career game uh, with 100 yards and a touchdown already, um, and he's missed some time with injuries. And so, for him to come back off that finger injury, uh, I was a little dubious about what his availability would be going into the weekend because, you know, you don't know if a guy's even going to be able to hold on to the football, let alone carry it 27 times. But um, to, to get that type of game from Elijah Mitchell is just an indicator that you're, I mean, you have a really good running back, a really good rookie mm -hmm. running back on your hand who you draft in the sixth round 
who is seemingly one of the better running backs in the league, at least uh, at this portion in, in his first season. Sure. Um, Debo Samuel adds 66 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Um, there are all the stats floating out around uh, the internet that are indicating how sort of historic uh, it is. He's one of three guys to ever have a thousand yards receiving with five receiving touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns. Um, and the other two are running backs. And the other two are running backs. Marshall Falk. Who's the other one? R- Roger Craig. Roger Craig. Ever heard right. of him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So Kyle, you check out a couple of nice catches. Um, it was just in terms of what you want from the 49ers offense at this point in the season, I think it's there. You want your quarterback to be a little bit sharper and not have that terrible interception that he had in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, in terms of just the breadth of the offense and, and the contributions you got from so many guys, I think that's what you're looking for. Brandon Ayuk's three catches for 91 yards were the quietest three for 91 I've ever seen. Like, they I remember, were, but they were I, I remember a huge and I remember that. But like, if you had told me, hey, what was Brandon Ayuk's stat line today? I'd have been like, I don't know, three catches for 50 yards or so. Yeah. It's three for 91. And like, again, you get the, the, I think it was 30 yards, 37 yards and 24 yards. Does that make 91? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, they were, they were all huge. And I want to dovetail that into a conversation about what they do without Debo Samuel, who Kyle Shanahan announced on Monday is going to miss at least the Seahawks game in week 13 and possibly the Cincinnati game in week 14 as well with a groin strain. Fred Warner is going to be out for at least the Seahawks game with a hamstring strain. But I want to stick with Debo Samuel and the 49ers offense right now. Brendan Ayuk has had his two best games as a pass catcher with, with Samuel kind of transitioning into more of a, of a running back role the last two weeks. Is that has he done enough to you for you, Chris, to think that he can kind of take over uh, the number one pass catching workload with Samuel out? Yeah, I think in conjunction with George Kittle, I think you can like like we said, Kittle only had one catch. So if you incorporate Kittle more into the passing game um, in, in addition to IUK, then I think you could make up for Debo Samuel's production. What you're not going to be able to do is just have that, you know, super versatile, uh, queen on the chessboard who you can stick in the backfield and, and run or, you know, call bubble screens to, or, or whatever. I mean, you can, you can obviously call bubble screens to Brandon IUK, but the point that the thing with Debo Samuel right now, that makes, that makes him so difficult to deal with is you have to account for him. at so many different spots on the field. If you're the defense before the snap, right? Sometimes he's in the backfield. Sometimes he's in the slot. Sometimes he's out wide. Sometimes he's at orbit motion. Niners ran just like a power run inside to uh, Elijah Mitchell. And they used Debo Samuel just as an orbit, like a, he, he did that one that that motion where you go it's called orbit you run wide behind the quarterback and Elijah Mitchell got like a big run out of it because guys were just still having to account for Debo Samuel like they still have to be aware of him being back there mm-hmm. um, he's that good right now he's one of the best players in the league right now just best pure offensive players in the league uh, mm-hmm. skill guys like he's one of the best in the league right now unequivocally Um so, yeah, missing him is going to be tough. But if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're this offensive mastermind, you should be able to manufacture that production with other guys. And you're seeing Jawan Jennings come on a little bit. He had a touchdown. Um, I mean, the thing, and this is kind of an aside, but the thing that stood out to me with Brandon Ayuk was just sort of the physicality and the demeanor that he had. Like, he was he was ready to fight Patrick Peterson. Um, and mm-hmm. he drew a personal foul from Harrison Smith on the um, – on Debo Samuel's first touchdown when he was just blocking really hard and Peterson mm-hmm. got pissed about it. Like that's what the 49ers want to see from Brandon. Ayuk. they want to see mm-hmm. that physicality and that nastiness. Um, and so the fact that he's doing that against, you know, established players in the league, like Patrick Peterson was one of the best cornerbacks in the league for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And Ayuk is just bringing, you know, bringing that attitude that that sort of makes Debo Samuel what he is. Right. So um, I think that's really positive. So yeah, but to, to answer the question about how you deal with a, an absence with Debo Samuel, I would go right to George Kittle, get him incorporated in the passing game and, um, mm-hmm. 
and sort of keep doing what you're doing and maybe feed feed Juwan Jennings a little bit more, but Ayuk's definitely going to be a part of that as well. Yeah, Juwan Jennings, another guy who uh, stepped up yesterday, had a touchdown catch, almost had a second one. It was an unbelievable, like, yeah, one-handed, a, just didn't get the knee too. down. Yeah. They have they have enough playmakers to um to score, I think, especially on the Seahawks who are cheeks. They're <laughs> they're really bad. And I thought I thought initially that when when Samuel got hurt, my my initial thought was there's no chance like they're they're done. They're not gonna be able to move the football. But with what we saw yesterday, and to your point, that's without having George Kittle very involved, you feel pretty good. Now, their ceiling is obviously much lower without Samuel on the field. And if he's going to be out, if he was going to be out like four, six, eight weeks, something like that, you'd be much more concerned about their their chance to the playoff run. But to get through Seattle and to get through Cincinnati, that's something I think they can they can swing. Yeah, absolutely. We can talk about that later in the week. Yeah. Um, um, can we talk about it? Of... Oh, go for it. Can we talk about Aziz Alshire? Yeah, great game for him. Really good game. Yeah, I, it that was the thing, right? Like, I mean, you called it last week. Kirk Cousins, I mean, just doesn't – he hasn't thrown picks this year. He, he had 21 mm-hmm. touchdowns and two picks on the season. Fewest interceptions among qualified starters. And you had to take the ball away from the Vikings somehow. And mm-hmm. he just decided to gift a pass right to Aziz Alshire, who probably should have scored on it, but still getting it down to the two yard line and then scoring a touchdown next play. Like that's, that's probably the biggest moment in the game. You that say was like the most important yeah. play in the game. Yeah. Cause the Niners scored the touchdown before the half yeah. and then go down and open the second half. They get the they kickoff can- score a touchdown. Yeah, the first the touchdown in the first half tied the game. Right at 14. Yeah. Then they take is, the lead yeah. with their opening possession of the third quarter. And then they get the interception and score one play later. It was um that was that was the turning point. That was definitely the the like oh shit moment for the Vikings, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And now the 49ers are gonna have to count on Aziz Alshire a lot more. Um, because Fred Warner is gonna be out. And so he's going to be out this week. He's going to miss a game for the first time in his career uh, because of a hamstring injury. So it sounds like it'll be at least a game. Um, so that's that's a big loss. But I think I think that's a loss the 49ers can overcome. Like I, I if you were to rank, you know, rank the 49ers best players or whatever. I mean, this year defensively, it's Nick Bosa. You can make a case coming into the season that Fred Warner was a better player than Nick Bosa. But ultimately, I think Nick Bosa is the most important player they have on defense because of just his ability to to pressure quarterbacks and get sacks, I think is is more valuable than what Warner does, even though Warner is an immensely valuable player to them, just as sort of the coach on the field, the guy who's getting everybody aligned, who's, you know, getting the calls in the headset and all those things. Um, so that'll be an adjustment. And I think, uh, you know, I think Aziz Alshire will have the green dot and he'll be relaying the calls, but you're going to have like, Demetrius Flanagan fouls and then potentially Marcel Harris, who's in the concussion protocol to start the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to dip onto the practice squad, most likely, unless, you know, Dre Greenlaw suddenly gets better. But it sounds like his groin injury, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan said today on his conference call on Monday that uh, his groin injury is irritated, which I feel I it, it feels weird to like anyway, <laughs> an irritated strained muscle. It, it, he might have just tweaked them played too soon yeah <laughs> there yeah played too soon potentially which is a theme maybe for the 49ers we're well. not doctors we're not doctors um we can follow patterns so but right but you know like your linebackers are going to be important against russell wilson yeah um so it's going to be a real test to uh, to the 49ers depth with aziz alshire who essentially was their you know third guy like they came into the mm-hmm. year believing that Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are their top two, of course. Aziz Ashar is their third. Well, now he jumps up to their number one. And then guys four and five are basically going to have to step into two and three. Um, yeah. So that's going to be a challenge. 
Hey, guess what, everybody? The 49ers are back in the playoff race. They're actually the number six seed after beating the Vikings. And maybe now you want to get out to a game. Or maybe with the holidays coming up, you want to get some 49er tickets for that special 49er fan in your life. Well, hey, guess what? You should use TickPick.com to acquire those tickets. And let me tell you why. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. So TickPick got rid of those those like fees and charges at the end. Of, you know, you go and you find your tickets, you find these awesome seats, and you get a price and you go and you look, and then the price is way more than you were anticipating paying because of all those fees. Well, TickPick got rid of those. It's unbelievable. What you see on the seat, your ticket, that's what you're paying. They've eliminated the fees. They've eliminated the surcharges. And it allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Now, the 49ers are going on the road for two weeks. They're going to be in Seattle, and then they're going to be in Cincinnati. And then they come home to face the Atlanta Falcons, who are also in the thick of the playoff race. So that could wind up being a huge game. And you're going to want to get your tickets now because those tickets are going to go fast. So head down to tickpick.com slash candlestick right now. Go do that. Get tickets for yourself. Get tickets for your friends or your family. All the special 49ers fans in your life with the holidays coming up. This is a perfect way to show them how much you care. So check that out at tickpick.com slash candlestick today and save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's tickpick.com slash candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are the 49ers good? I'm going to ask this every week. They're solid. I think they are. Yeah, like when they're, when they're healthy and, and Jimmy Garoppolo isn't turning the ball over, they're tough to beat. Um, I think they I, I think they still have some concerns. I don't know if, jo- if you're ever going to love Josh Norman matched up against a team's best receiver in a playoff game. You know, you look at the NFC right. and, you know, the 49ers right now would be going to Tampa. So that 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 was that was my biggest like uh, long term takeaway from from Sunday yeah. was this was Adam Thielen and and Justin Jefferson, who hates Kirk Cousins. Um, if, if they're going to Tampa Bay, it's Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. If they're going to Dallas, it's CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. If they're going to Green Bay, it's Devontae Adams and Mar- pick a receiver on the Packers. Randall Marcus Cobb. Valdez. Randall Cobb, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Like, there's a pattern here. Arizona, it's DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green and, and Rondell Moore. Like, 
Cooper Cup and, and and Odell Beckham Jr. in LA. Like it, every playoff team is loaded at wide receiver, and the 49ers, like it's it's one of those things where over the course of a season, like maybe you can get by because you're playing the likes of the Jaguars and you're playing the Rams in a week where they lose Robert Woods and are trying to incorporate Odell Beckham. And, but there were so many plays yesterday where the 49ers defensive backs got beaten. Kirk cousins just didn't make throws. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray are going to make the throws. Yeah. I agree. Matt Stafford TBD. Yeah. Kirk cousins was not good um, yesterday. And that's, you know, like, Credit to the 49ers defense. Maybe they're a reason that Kirk Cousins didn't play well, but Cousins didn't play well. And to your point, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's super a good point, like, or a super good point. That I just think they have to invest in that position at some point. Well, yeah, but they're not going to be able to do it before the playoffs. Right. right. Um, that's so, honestly, that's on, like, like for that's if they had Emmanuel Mosley, just two Emmanuel Mosleys, I'd feel way better. Yeah. about them going into the postseason yeah. or about uh, them making a run to the postseason. They're not there yet, obviously, but Josh Norman had another pass interference penalty, a, um, a long one on third down. He got called for holding after getting cooked by Justin Jefferson uh, on a long play that he caught that went 30 something yards. Um, he got bulldozed by uh, Madison, the the Vikings backup running back to to get to the end zone for the for that rushing touchdown like josh norman like the peanut punch stuff is great he's seven fumbles fumbles. yeah he's caused more fumbles i think than anybody in the league but you i still don't it i don't think that outweighs everything else the fact that he's so often around the football that's good when you're a linebacker that might even be good if you're a safety that's up in the box yeah. It's great if you're a d- defensive lineman. If you're a cornerback who finds yourself near the person in possession of the ball a lot, that's not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, hustle plays are one thing, but when it's like, oh yeah, I forced a fumble after getting flambéed, that's not great. Right. You know, I don't know. Yeah, we've talked about the 49ers cornerback situation a lot, but I-, I think defensively, I mean, you got another sack from Nick Bosa. Um, you got a third down stop from uh from chucko oh yeah charles and <laughs> on the uh when when he went unblocked in the first half um so yeah i i mean are the niners good right now they're 11th uh in opponent scoring and 11th in scoring offensively dvoa loves them yeah so like if they're healthy and they do have their full complement of skill guys and you know, you have Nick Bosa, like you're going to have a puncher's chance because if you can run the ball, like that's what travels best. Right. Yes. And so, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has played in, you know, he's played in the playoffs. He's played in the Super Bowl. He's not going to be, um, you know, he's played in big games on the road. Like he's not going to be deer in the headlights. I, I, I think, I do think that's one of Jimmy Garoppolo's best qualities is that like, he's not really rattled by the situation. Right. Like he's, you know, he was, he experienced a Super Bowl as a backup with the Patriots twice. Mm-hmm. Right. So he sort of knows what the process is very well at this point. Um, so even though he doesn't have a huge breadth of, of playing time in the playoffs beyond one season, he's still, you know, it's not going to be new to him. So right. the, the 49ers, if they're clicking and they're, and they're playing like this, they're going to be a tough out, but you just worry about anybody they go against because those quarterback and receiver combinations ultimately are going to be the Niners Achilles heel all season. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. But this, this was a, so the Rams win, you know, we talked about it, catch a division opponent that you beat four times in a row in a weird week for them. Then they go and they, they handle the Jags. It's just like, that's good. You want to, you want to see him handle a bad team. This was the game I thought they needed to have to make this run, you know, quote unquote legit. Yeah. And they did exactly kind of what they've been doing. And it continued to work. And until it doesn't work, I have a hard time believing that um they're not gonna they're not gonna make the playoffs. Like they need to theoretically go yeah. three and three, 
Can you get to nine and eight, we think? They're what, 71%? Isn't that what you told me? 72. 72. Yeah. So, like, and, and they got a lot of help, right? Like, the, the week was very good to the 49ers overall, right? Because mm-hmm. Philadelphia lost, New Orleans lost, Minnesota lost, obviously. The Rams have now lost three in a row. Dallas lost. Like, the Niners are a game behind the Rams and Dallas, who, like, it's I crazy. do power rankings for the for the B from time to time. Who are both like, <laughs> who are both top three teams at at one point in those power rankings. So it's, you know, like I, I think the top of the NFC is pretty even, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if a wild card team makes it all the way to the NFC Championship game. Like that yeah. wouldn't be that wouldn't be crazy. Um, it's all going to be based on matchups, though. Uh, but I, I think. I think the 49ers could be right there. Like if they keep making strides and they keep um, figuring out new ways to, to get their offensive guys going um, and keep Jimmy Garoppolo playing efficiently and not turning the ball over, they're going to be a tough team to beat. I don't know. You know, I'm not expecting them to like make a super deep run, but I do think they can go to the playoffs and, and win a game or two for sure. It feels that way, especially if this formula um, continues Continues working. And if they continue to get this kind of play from Jimmy Garoppolo, he wasn't perfect on Sunday, but he made a ton of key throws, I think. Um, Definitely one of the games where the eye test to me didn't quite match the box score. How so? Like there were a couple of really, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Dangerous throws early in the game. Yeah. Um, he missed high to a couple guys uh, who were open. And I think that's just going to kind of come with the territory with Garoppolo. He's not always super accurate, but um, after the interception, he was, he was pretty good. So. Yeah. I mean, he has, that's sort of like when he's missing high like that, that's when you're expecting a pick to come. And he started out the game missing guys high. Um, and then the pick came, yeah. I think it was after, at the end of the first possession. Um, and Shanahan lit him up pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the thing with Jimmy is you can sort of tell early on when he's locked in, if he's decisive with his throws, if he doesn't have to double clutch, if his feet are not happy, if he's, if he's not like, you know, treading water in the pocket, like he's, he's a pretty good player. And mm-hmm. he's much more accurate that way. I thought his touchdown throw to Juwan Jennings was a great one. Really where he's nice. rolling to his right. Um, the one that almost went to uh, that Jennings almost scored on was probably one of his best throws of the season. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, they were a couple inches away from, from getting the touchdown there. But the throw to always... IU that set up the touchdown before the end of the half. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Juwan Jennings caught, uh, early in the first quarter, I think caught a, a slant or a post route um, mm-hmm. to convert a third down. That was a really nice throw from Garoppolo. Um, so he has those, but right. The good plays are there. Yeah. The good plays are there. It's just how consistently can you get them? And well, so and it was one of those games where he was better than Kirk cousins, which is notable because it feels like yeah. over the last couple of years, you'd rather take cousins over um cousins over garoppolo and seattle just scored a potential game tying touchdown with 15 seconds left that's wild who scored um, it freddie swain 32 oh. yards tyler lockett sucks i don't it mean it wasn't that. a great game when we when we when we started recording, recording this, this podcast, monday night. yeah when we started recording this the seahawks had four first downs in like three quarters it's unbelievable they had 35 plays on the game before their late drive there was nobody within 10 yards of it washington football team if washington Um, if washington beats seattle by the way while we're talking about playoff standings they'll be at five and six a game back actually actually i think i heard via tiebreaker washington if they win will be the number seven seed Two-point conversion upcoming. This is great podcast content. This is really good. This is really good podcast content. 49ers playoff picture on the line. Um, if Seattle... Oh, and it's picked. Unbelievable. It's picked. Washington's going to win. Whew. Is that better for the 49ers that Seattle now falls to three and eight? I mean, you're... Uh, I mean, you're... 
Seattle basically with eight losses now, they can't lose another game. Right. They've got to win out. So they're they're playing with theoretically balls to the wall, desperation. Right. Um, now that they lost. You typically like to play a team after a win. Just in like the human nature, like fat and happy, you know. Yeah. East Coast win, come back. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm right there. But, but this is gonna be reg- the Niners do get a break in that the Seahawks played Monday night and now have to travel all the way back from the East Coast. Yeah. Because that's that's tough. Yeah. It's it's tough to tough to do that on a short week. And the tough Seahawks to- stink. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. <laughs> They're not they very good. Stink. Let's do pixels. Drop Tyler, that Tyler. Tyler, hit the thing. All right, pick six. We do this in our preview pod every week where Chris picks three players. I pick three players that we think are going to have good games for the 49ers. You had the first pick this week, Chris, and you took Debo Samuel, who it turns out is good. Yeah. Um, I don't have like much analysis for this thing. It's it's I all do. kind of chalk. I think it's a sham that you're going to get credit for Samuel having a good game, even though he had one catch for 12 yards. That's a bad wide receiver game. <laughs> I mean, okay. Um, is Debo Samuel an overrated wide receiver? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> sure. And he's an underrated running back. Yeah. Um, the Seahawks just got the onside kick. <laughs> 15 seconds left. Only the Seahawks. Only, Give me Tyler only Lockett. the Washington football team. Can, can they please be the Red Wolves? Honestly, like that's, that's our Debo Samuel analysis. They should be the Red Wolves. <laughs> Washington should be the Red Wolves. Yeah. Oh, Red Wolves is probably the bet. Like the fact that there isn't a wolf. This is entirely team, off the rails. Yeah. The fact there isn't a wolf team uh, themed team in the NFL is kind of a travesty. Totally. If you think about it. Debo like, Samuel had a good game. Six carries, 66 yards and two touchdowns. And what's crazy about it is like, you should expect that he's going to get the ball on some sort of. It's unbelievable. Run, but he's still able to get massive plays out of it his vision and that's why it's like you can't just slot in brandon Ayuk into the debo samuel role a because of the physicality that that samuel runs with but b he's so good at getting to the edge and finding a hole and bursting through it like a running back it's what raheem mostert's so good at yeah is is finding the right crease and decisively getting north to south in that crease and that's that's what samuel's super super good at and, and I don't know that Ayuk can do the same. And what's really unique is just their ability to line guys up at different spots and then sort of just utilize them all in different and similar ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like Debo Samuel will be in the backfield and then Jeff Wilson Jr. will be basically split end as a fullback, H-back, whatever, blocker. And then you have George Kittle, who's obviously super versatile as a blocker and Kyle right. Ustrak coming in motion. And then, you know, you're doing your double teams and you're doing all this stuff like if you're a viewer of the game on TV and the Niners are in first and second down and Debo Samuels in the backfield, you know, Debo's getting the ball, mm-hmm. but the way the offense is going right now, and this is obviously a credit to Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, you can know Debo's getting the ball, but it doesn't matter because the plays are designed to go against certain looks. They're getting those looks. They're executing their, their blocks. Debo Samuel is finding the running lanes and hitting the holes. And it's just, it's great to watch if you, you know, yeah. if you're into, if you're into this kind of football, this is, this is right up your alley. Like Debo, the, the fact that Debo Samuel receiver is suddenly the 49ers first or second best running back is just kind of wild. It's gotta um, be such a pain in the ass for defensive coaching staffs. Oh yeah. Like throwing the Niners tape on and just trying to make sense of what, because that's Shanahan's whole thing. Like no tendencies, the, you know, you want to go a lot of 21 because you can run and pass out of that when you have a, when you have a player like George Kittle and they, they, it goes against like everything that every other team is doing right now. Right. Like you face the bills and then the, the chiefs and the, the Rams and the Cowboys. And then you face this team that is running an offense. that looks like it's straight out of 1948. And I mean that as a compliment, like it is a physical, like downhill brand of football. And they are executing it to perfection. Right. 
I yeah. just, oh, but it's a headache. So Debo Samuel, my chalk first overall pick, yeah. probably uh, the game's MVP, two touchdowns. Went well for you. My second pick, wide receiver Brandon Ayuk had a much better wide receiver game than <laughs> your pick did. He had three catches for 91 yards. Sure. The bigger deal with the, 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 the Ayuk didn't have a better game than Samuel. But the bigger deal with Ayuk is that the last two weeks, um, I think he has 176 yards receiving. Uh, I don't have his catch numbers in front of me in those two weeks. I think it's 10. But he was responsible for three of the, the 49ers longest plays on Sunday. Right. And three that's, of the five. that's kind of what we're expecting to see from the from the start of the year. I, if you knew Samuel was going to play like he is this year and, and have a thousand six yards through through 12 games, you would obviously not or uh, 11 games. You would not think that Brandon Ayuk is going to be the number one receiver, but this is kind of what we expected from Ayuk, where he was going to be like a really high end, quote unquote, number two wide receiver. And now we get to see with Samuel out if he can step into that number one role. So, uh, really good game for for Ayuk, but bigger picture, just encouraging that he continues to kind of see his involvement in the offense increase. I think he was tied for the team lead in targets as well, with uh, with six with Elijah Mitchell. So, yeah, I mean, strong if- strong game for from. from What's something we we always talk about with the Niners is their inability to make explosive plays downfield with the pass. Mm -hmm. Brandon Ayuk had catches of 37, 30, and 24 yards. Yep. So, like, if he can, if you're able to run the ball as often as the 49ers are, you need some downfield element, and Ayuk is giving them that. And while George Kittle currently is not, um, which is interesting. I'm not really worried about Kittle's lack of production in the passing game because he's out there. And yeah. He's blocking his ass off and they're winning and, you know, scoring points. Um, but now I think that you're going to, if they don't get Kittle involved in the passing game with Debo Samuel out, then that'll be really problematic in Seattle who I lost agree. by the way, they, they did not get the onside kick because oh. there was an illegal formation penalty. Oh, so that brutal. game's over. They lost 17, 15. So Seattle's three and eight and Washington's now the number seven seed in the playoffs. If I have that right. That's bananas really wild and just goes to show that um this nfc playoff race well the 49ers are in a great spot uh it can it can evaporate really quickly if they don't go to a place like seattle and take care of business number three in pick six you took trent williams who is unbelievable i took him on the basis of like internet him going viral on the, on the internet for pancaking people. I didn't see much of it, but I think he had a fine game. He, he, I sent you a photo of him wiping out two dudes. Yeah. I saw the screenshot. I haven't seen that video. I need to go find it. Yeah. He just, it's a, it's a cutback, a design cutback where Elijah Mitchell's running right. And Williams just carries his guy up the field the other way. And in the process, as he's pancaking him undercuts a defender that was coming in from the backside, and it just blew the hole wide open. And it just Jeez. Trent Williams spends a lot of time on the ground in games, like on top of another human. Yeah. He's so, a refrigerator with legs. His run blocking grade on PFF right now is 99.1. <laughs> that's that's wild. Like if you're in the if you're in the high 70s, that's like a pretty decent grade. Yeah, that's like that's like a Pro Bowl caliber player, I think, is yeah. what a high 70s is. Yeah. But um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, just to give you just to give you kind of a a a reference point on that. So George Kittle in 2019, when you know he went viral all those times for his his awesome run blocking and holy crap, look at George Kittle had a 78.2 run blocking grade. And Trent Williams is at 99.1. Sam Monson was on the radio show I produce at 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. And he said that it's the highest grade they've ever given to a player. Like his overall, Williams' overall grade is the highest grade ever. Like he's just having the best football season ever since PFF started grading 15 years ago or whatever it is. Yeah, he's he's good. It's unreal. Good pick by you. Especially since we can't really quantify it. Well, I mean, the fact they had their best rushing performance of the season, 208 and, yards, they ran left a lot. 
And to right, and to the point that, that you were saying earlier, like Debo Samuel's lining up in the backfield and they run to the left. Part of the reason that works is because Trent Williams is leading the way. Yeah. They'll have George Kittle on that side, Trent Williams on that side. They'll have like check sprinting at the snap going left. Like it's it's just gotta be really tough to defend if you're not ready for it. Like just a, a real nightmare. Yeah. My second pick, fourth overall pick was George Kittle. Mm. Not great. Tough scene. So George Kittle, after the game, I asked him about Mike Zimmer's quote um, saying that the 49ers hold all the time and they get away with holding like almost every play and whatever. Kittle makes his point and he says that um, if, you, if you're going to complain and instead of complaining all, all game on the sidelines about holding, uh, you should just have your guys make better <laughs> plays. And then if you listen, that counts for me. If you listen, he does the he does the sniff. So <laughs> I listened I really George, hard for it today and couldn't pick it up. I don't know if George Kittle is in on the bit, um, or if if he just he sniffs like like that, like the the affirmation sniff. Uh, we don't have a name for it, but if you hear a it's sniff, the, it's, it's, it's the a power bit. sniff. A power sniff, yeah. That's and why we always do it after stupid stuff like yeah, I produce a radio show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was the originator's Eric Grant, so I don't want to sit here like uh, pretending to claim it. My boss, my boss at one of my jobs does it unironically. And like, maybe it's not maybe Kittle does it unironically, or maybe he listens to the pod. He's been on the pod what three times? Twice. Twice. He's on the intro. Twice? Yeah, because you did a pod, right? I did no. a pod with him. And then we got him. Um, I can't remember. I think just yeah, just twice. But shout shout out to Kittle and the and the power sniff. <laughs> All right. Fifth pick. He was fu- he he's a good player, but didn't put up a ton of numbers yesterday. Or on, on Sunday rather. Uh number five, Nick Bosa. He had a sack. Nice another shot. sack. Another shrug. Um Left the game momentarily to get checked for a head injury. Came out of it fine. Just plays all the time. He's like him and Eric Armstead just play all the time. And uh, and the 49ers defense, I think, would be in a bad way without him. I agree. He had a couple of really nice run stops on Sunday, too. He's just, man, he's excellent. 49ers defense ranks six overall against the yard in terms of yards. Hmm. And six yeah, and in there's, passing there's... yards set like they they don't turn the ball over. I think that's more of a function of the secondary. But just I just think that's such a credit to Nick Bosa. Like Nick Bosa has 11 sacks. No one else has more than three. You know who has three sacks? Arden D Ford and Arden Key. Armstead has two. Like the Niners pretty much have a one man pass rush right now. Yeah. And you can count on Bosa three or four plays a game, he's just going to blow a play up. Right. Whether it's a run play or a pass play. And I think right. that's going to be kind of the next evolution of his game is when he gets a free run at Kirk Cousins like he did, where he just blows past the left tackle, like trying to get the football. Right. Because right now he doesn't he doesn't do that. He's worried about getting the quarterback on the ground, and that's great. But there's more opportunities for, for turnovers, I think. But I'm with you. I don't know what they do defensively if they don't have him. Yep. He's... He's last good. pick. He's valuable. Last pick. I don't think it's going to get me a win, but I feel great about it. I picked Aziz Alshire, who had an interception and a fumble recovery and led the team in tackles with eight. Um, and I think I called verbatim the interception that he was going to get. So uh, shout shouts, out, shouts shout out to, to me, not to Aziz, who had a really great game. <laughs> Shanahan said he's been one of their better players defensively this year, and I have a hard time like disagreeing with him. He'll miss a tackle now and again. Yeah, but but he's he's mostly solid. Any any plays with force. And it just there's been there there was a play against the Lions. There was a play I think against the Bears. But there's just there's there's and then obviously against the Vikings where it feels like once or twice a game it's just great stop by number fifty one. Yeah, in a big spot. So he, yeah, he had a you. he had a really really nice game on on Sunday. So I had Debo, Trent Williams, and Bosa. Yeah, Debo, I had a two touchdowns. Kittle, Trent Williams, sure. part of 208 
uh, rushing yard performance. Okay, well, if Trent Williams gets credit for the 208 rushing yards, I get some credit for Kittle. You do, but you don't have anybody who scored touchdowns. That's a good point. But I did have Aziz Alshire who helped set up a touchdown and Brandon Ayuk who helped set up a touchdown. So that's basically two touchdowns. I think Aziz it's should so have scored a touchdown. So I think it's it's a demerit. Did, that was that not the weirdest? In our, you win this week, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm through trying to pretend like I did. Uh, I want to talk about the Aziz Alshire interception return real quick. Was that not the weirdest, like slowest interception return you've ever seen in your life? Well... In fairness to Aziz, like he's not a running back. No, like if right. Debo Samuel caught that, he's he's in the end zone standing up. No, totally. But, but it, he just kind of waited and then like looked to his left and and was like thinking about setting up his blockers and like where the Vikings were when he should have just hit the hole. Like right. if Kyle, if, if Aziz Alshire was a running back, Kyle Shanahan would never play him. <laughs> oh, he's in the doghouse. He's, he's he's so far in the doghouse. He's behind he's on the practice squad. <laughs> he's behind Trey Sermon somehow on the depth chart. Kyle Shanahan during that return was like, hit the hole. Yeah. <laughs> I just hit it. Stop it was no, it was just yeah, because he caught <laughs> and it was legitimately like a like, oh, oh wait, now what do I do? And then it was like he was waiting for everybody to get in front of him. And then yeah. he was trying to maneuver around his guys as he's trying to get to the end zone. It was just, <laughs> it, it was really funny to watch in real time because it was like, dude, go, go. What do you, right. what do they do? <laughs> yeah. But he should have went for six. Um, but it's, it was, it was a super important play and they've got to touch on the next play anyway. But yeah. yeah, that run, that run from the end of the second quarter to early in the third is what won the 49ers game. I also thought what he said about that interception was pretty telling just about Kirk Cousins as a quarterback in that he said, we noticed they were throwing that route a lot. And so we just changed how we covered it. And they, they knew that in that situation, Kirk Cousins is just going to try and throw it to Adam Thielen on a little curl route. And Alshire just waited and stepped in front of it. And that's a good look for D'Amico Ryans too. Really good look. And I'm going to make this come back to the 49ers quarterback situation because that's what we do, but it doesn't, it feels like that's something that's going to start happening. It happened on Jimmy Garoppolo's first interception or his his only interception was Debo Samuel ran that in route and uh, Harrison Smith, the Viking safety just read it the whole way. Like he knew that ball was going between the hashes. He knew it was going to Debo Samuel. He knew that Samuel was going to run an in breaking route. And that's something that the Niners are going to have to, I think adjust to because defenses are going to start sitting in the middle of the field and taking away some of that stuff that that's been there for, for Garoppolo. So that'll be an interesting wrinkle to see in the, in the chess match between Shanahan and defensive coordinators. Yeah. Harrison Smith didn't have to move all that far for that ball. That was, yeah, that was just really sitting in the middle of the field, just waiting was, for a receiver to run behind him. Yeah. That was a bad interception. Shanahan said something interesting today on his conference call. Um, our buddy Tim Kawakami, who made it very clear he's a listener to the podcast on Sunday, <laughs> um, he, he vehemently disagreed with my point that that the 49ers might get something of value in a trade from Garoppolo, and, and maybe we'll have him on the pod. This is an invitation, an informal invitation for Kawakami to have uh, to come on the pod so we can have this conversation. It was a great discussion. I was enjoying um, the hell out of it. Yeah, he so. Um, Kawakami asked Shanahan on his conference call today about Trey Lance and or or more specifically Jimmy Garoppolo and why Kyle Shanahan's only played Jimmy Garoppolo and not Trey Lance at all. And one thing Shanahan said was, you know, it's just sort of how the game goes, whatever. But it throws him off and it's been more difficult than he expected to be able to make a switch mid game to a different quarterback based on what the defenses do and how the defenses react. And he said he didn't anticipate having issues like that going into the season, which goes back to the idea that a two quarterback system doesn't work. Right. (laughs) Which is why it seems so weird at the time. And then he, anyway, so so Kyle Shanahan says in training camp, it's going to be a two quarterback system. Raheem Moster going down. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but it was just interesting for Shanahan to say, like, yeah, I, I think that that was probably a mistake, more or less. He that that's what he said that 
it's it, it, when he tried playing Trey Lance, it was just more difficult for him as a play caller um, because now you have to incorporate <laughs> the defense. God damn it, this is hard. Yeah, yeah, like it. Yeah, it turns out it's <laughs> it's hard to do, and that's why nobody does it. So, whatever. I mean, the thing is with Shanahan and the way he's handling the Trey Lance stuff. It doesn't matter. Trey Lance doesn't matter right now if they're winning games and they're in the playoff hunt. Right. Right. It's yeah. Trey Lance. The The issue with Trey Lance naturally comes up when you're losing games. So, yes, the, as long as the 49ers keep winning, the Trey Lance stuff isn't going to matter. If they lose because Jimmy Garoppolo plays poorly, it'll always be sort of part of the discussion. And real quick, any reports that are coming out that the Niners are planning on trading Garoppolo like <laughs> no shit like <laughs> duh it was just the there was a I think it was from NFL Network or it wasn't even I think a report it was just more of a like hey quick update on where the situation's at barring a Super Bowl run I think that's how Ian Rappaport termed it barring a Super Bowl run the 49ers are going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo which is like okay but yeah, like I guess it. I guess it was pushing back on some of the things that had floated out. That like, oh, the Niners are considering keeping Garoppolo. Like, no, they're not. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be open for business. And and what I mean, it's notable. Like, it's not a surprise. Obviously, like anybody who's paying attention knows that that's what's going to happen. Right. But when somebody like Ian Rappaport comes out and reports that, that means he's hearing it from inside. Like somebody inside right. the building is telling him. So that's what's notable about it, right? And and usually that stuff ends up coming to fruition. And, and right. owners and GMs and coaches are very um, plotting when you know when it comes to giving information to reporters like that. Like the Niners mm-hmm. clearly wanted that to be out there. Um, so that's why it's notable. Totally, but the Niners aren't getting a first for Garoppolo. They are not. I and you know what? To be honest, like I don't really remember exactly how I framed it. Hmm. I think I said something to the effect of like, basically, Tim was like, "You're insane if you think they're getting a first round pick." And I thought, "But you like, would, yeah." Be. But I, I don't. I don't think I said I thought they were getting a first round pick. I think I said something to the effect of, "If Jimmy Garoppolo plays really well and they win like multiple playoff games on the road, then maybe you could convince a team to get a first round pick." And ultimately, like what's logical or what's not i always trust that there's going to be somebody some decision maker in the nfl who's willing to do something stupid right mm-hmm. so like you know we we see it all the time especially with quarterbacks we saw it with caroline and sam darnold um we might be seeing it with the jets and zach wilson and i'm not you know like everybody thought zach wilson was going to be good right so i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not saying the jets are dumb or whatever but guys miss on quarterbacks all the time and make bad quarterback decisions all the time. So, like, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if somebody overpaid the 49ers for Jimmy Garoppolo. Is where I'm at after talking through with Tim. Sure. He thinks, and he thinks. No spoilers. We're going to no try and get him on the pod. Okay, we'll try to get him on the pod and we can hash this out. I think but that's a good idea. I think the Niners are going to get something for Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason. Yeah, I agree. It's not going to be a first. Uh, let's bounce. Let's get out of here. Let's put a bow on this. We'll have a couple more pods for you. We'll have our midweek pod, normal schedule this week, midweek pod coming out Wednesday, and then a preview pod coming out on Friday. So maybe a news break pod. Bring a little news back. break action. I love that. Those got very good feedback. I didn't know that you had stopped doing them, but that's fine. Well, um, it's been, the schedule's been a little weird. And there's other stuff going on. Totally. Uh, sometimes there's just not news. It's tough to do a news break pod when there isn't like <laughs> To like actually dive into this like interesting. Yeah. So, anyway. All right, we're gonna get out of here. Subscribe, rate, review, do all that. See ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.